Amen, amen. Good morning, church. How you guys doing today? Y'all okay? Woo! Man, that's encouraging. Isn't it fun when, like, you come to church and you're not feeling so good about life and 30 minutes later, God's just, like, refreshed you in a new way? So cool just looking around and seeing people being vulnerable saying, man, I need, I need some prayer. It, it, it's so powerful when you just humble yourself and say, yes, I need some help right now. I had a moment like that this past week where I was like, I'm just not doing good. And I just needed to tell some people, hey, I'm not doing good. I feel like God's saying there's some people in the room that aren't doing so well. Can we pray for them? You know, like that, that's me. We all come pray for me, you know. And uh, so it's good when we say we need some help, right? So, hey, uh, before we jump into the message this morning, I just want to do something real quick. 90 seconds. Stand up real quick, please, if you were at World Mandate last weekend. Please do that for me real quick. All right, so um, awesome. Praise God. Stay standing if your week after world mandate felt like uh, more overwhelming than normal, okay? If you had a great, amazing week, you just kept riding the wave, you can sit down. But if your week after world mandate felt like particularly challenging or overwhelming, okay, hey, praise God, me too, okay? In the first service, it was just about everybody that was at world mandate, the week after world mandate had a really tough week. Because the way things work often in the kingdom, Jesus comes, he's the good shepherd, and he comes to bring abundant life, right? But then we have an enemy who's called a thief, and thief comes to do what? To steal, okay? So we woke up the Pletcher household Monday morning after this amazing weekend at World Mandate. God's speaking, he's doing new things, he's powerfully moving in our church, and we had the most overwhelming day as a family we have had in weeks, and it was a really hard week for our family all week long, so you're not alone. I'm glad to know I'm not alone. And hey, we really do have an enemy that wants to come and steal what God has done in us, and we're going to say no right now. Amen? So put your hand on your heart if you're standing up, okay, and just say, pray with me, Jesus, thank you that we, we just right now, we receive everything back again that you did in our hearts at World Mandate. We say thank you for the ways that you met with us, the way you encouraged us, Thank you, God, for the words that you spoke over us. And we just, in the blood of Jesus, stand against the work of the thief and say, he doesn't get to rob us of any of it. In Jesus' name, it's mine. Amen. Amen. All right, take a seat. Come on. Well, guys, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4 this morning, uh, verse 7. We're going to jump in today to a new series called Equip the Saints, all right? So uh, do you guys know that if you've trusted in Jesus, you have placed your faith in him alone for the forgiveness of your sins, for your redemption and your peace with God, that you are a saint? You know that. You are a saint. You weren't always a saint. You were born, actually, into this world as a sinner. We know that we were born uh, corrupted into sin. But when, we, when Jesus applies his blood to our lives and we receive by faith this good news, we actually become born again, the Bible says. You don't just stay like a sinner who gets washed clean. He actually makes you a new creation, a new creation, a saint. The word saint just means holy one. You are a holy one, not because you're perfect all the time. Obviously, you're a holy one because Jesus has covered you with his righteousness. And so now you are the righteousness of God in Christ if you're a believer. And so the saints are the family of God, the holy ones, the new creation on the earth. And in Ephesians chapter 4, we see that God's plan 
is actually to equip every single believer, every single one of us in the body of Christ to be a force to be reckoned with on the earth. Amen? The saints are the army of God that is, that is bringing the kingdom culture of God onto the earth. And so we spent the last four weeks talking about kingdom culture and how our citizenship in Jesus is actually a heavenly citizenship and that we're commissioned and called like mobile embassies to bring the kingdom of God, the values of heaven with us wherever we go. So you go out to dinner at some restaurant at night, you get to bring the, the kingdom of heaven with you. You honor people, you bless people, you wipe off the table. My wife and I, we took our kids to uh, Payway uh, a week or so ago. We have four kids, it's like crazy, but thankfully nobody goes to Payway when the Super Bowl's on TV. So we just kind of had to, apparently nobody works at Payway when the Super Bowl's on TV either because they had like three or four people frantically working to make the food and all that, and nobody was like helping clean out in the area, right? So I'm just looking around, there's like this table's a mess and this thing's a mess here, and we finished our dinner, and I was like, well, we're, Tyler had just preached that Sunday about serving the city, being a blessing. I was like, I'm going to bust some tables here, right? So I picked up, the, I started going around payway. I, nobody said anything. I'm just wiping tables and cleaning up plates, you know? Why? Because I live in a heavenly kingdom. And so wherever I go, I get to bring the value of heaven with me. And that means sometimes I help payway out and bust some tables, you know? So... But, so, but in order for us to be these kingdom people, it's not just about, you know, like the, the church staff or the pastor or this or that. It is all of the saints, all of the saints, all of the saints, every single one of us being the body of Christ. And so we're going to spend the next four weeks saying, what is your role? Every single one of us, what is our role in this body? What part do I play and how can I make sure I'm functioning to my fullest potential. Amen? Amen. So when I was in uh, high school, I played football. I was a middle linebacker. I weighed about 20 pounds more than I uh, do now. And so I played, I played football probably my junior, senior year. Uh, it was the middle of the season, the night before a game. I have a little sister. She's five years younger than me. And I was chasing her around the house, and we were just goofing. Around. Honestly, I was probably picking on her, being a bully. And how many of you know if you pick on your little siblings, it usually comes back to get you? Well, it did on this particular evening. I'm chasing her through the house, and I'm running through our living room. Have you ever caught your toe on a piece of furniture? So we had this wrought iron table in the middle of our living room, and I'm running through, okay, and I catch my toe. It wasn't even my little toe. I don't know how I misjudged it so bad. My middle toe just got square into the thing, and I just go down. I'm writhing in pain. I'm like, oh, this is not good, and it was so horribly painful, but it wasn't as painful as having to tell my coach the next day that I couldn't play in the game because I was chasing my sister around the house, okay? I missed like the next two, two and a half games because I could not walk. This little toe, my, my middle toe, it's like this big, guys. And I, it wasn't even broken that bad. It was like a little hairline fracture, and I couldn't function. It totally sidelined me. One little part in my body. And it's really a picture of the body of Christ and what we're going to read in Ephesians chapter 4, that we are all members of a body, and we all have a very significant and valuable place to play in this body. And if we're not every single one of us healthy and functioning, then it can actually sideline the entire body from its full potential. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 4 here, verse 7. 
It says, grace was given to each one of us. Say that with me. Each one of us, according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. He gave gifts to men. Verse 11, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Verse 15, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, say whole body, joined and held together by every joint, say every joint, with which it is equipped when each part, say each part, is working properly, say properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. It is a beautiful picture. We have every joint. You are a joint. You are a part. You are a part of a larger body, and the goal of of God through Jesus is actually to grow this body up, to mature full stature through every single one of us functioning properly within the body. Amen? So there's a few things here that I want to just highlight in this passage as we unpack it. First of all, we already saw in the very opening line that Jesus gave gifts to each one of us. So there is nobody that is exempt from this conversation, this message this morning. Each one of us, and every passage we're going to look at today, it says something like that. Each one of us, every one, every member, every single one. If you're here today and you're in Jesus, you have a gift, you have a role, you have value, you have significance, you have a part to play, and we need you to play it. And that's what this whole series is about. It's about us saying, what is my role? Every single one of us knowing our part to play and getting all the way into it to function in full potential. Amen? We see that these giftings that are given here, and in this particular passage, he is unpacking what some people call the five-fold giftings, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. This is not the only list of gifts in the Bible. We're going to look at two other ones this morning. But these giftings have been given specifically to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So equip the saints, we just pulled it right out of this passage. Okay, And so... Think about it this way. The analogy I've been thinking, racking my brain all week on, is like a sports team. Do you guys play team sports growing up? I got any, any football players in the room? Come on. Any basketball players? Baseball? Soccer? Man, there are a lot more athletes in the first service. What's I'm just kidding. Y'all. Volleyball, ladies, come on. Okay. So you got some. So, so you're playing a team. All you guys on our team sports, we had coaches, right? You had coaches. Growing up, they kind of lead the team. They help you get equipped and, and all that. What's more fun, playing the game or coaching? Play. Playing the game, man. Let me in, coach, right? It's always more fun. Everybody wants to play, right? But then some people, as they go on through life, God has equipped them in a unique way to become coaches and to help others play as well. Guys, you know that the role of Christianity is for you to be a player and not just a coach on the sideline? 
You know what I'm saying? But in, in the American church, it's like we've elevated the coaches, right? Oh, the, the pastors and the worship leaders. and the, It's like we've made these like kind of celebrity superstar coach Christians, right? And we think that that's the goal of Christianity. It's not. The goal of Christianity is that every single one of us are in the game playing, right? Who's, who's the highlight reel on ESPN, right? Is, are there highlights of the coaches on ESPN? No. Man, it's the players, right? Da-na-na, da-na-na. It's like, boom, look at that guy. He just shared the gospel. He just prayed for his friend. Oh, man, that girl just got healed. Look at all these players in the game. That's the role. That's the goal. All of us in the game, all the saints. But within the body, there's some, and I started thinking about a football team. Okay, how many, how many people exist around the football team that, that aren't on the field but are, are a part of kind of building the team? And so I started wondering, okay, this five-fold ministry thing, does it translate? And I think it kind of does. So just kind of go with me there for a little bit, right? So your apostle is sort of like the head coach, okay? The head coach sees the big picture of the team, and he's got a goal and a vision, and he's kind of calling the people toward the vision, right? So Tyler Hardy's kind of our head coach here at this church. He's not the only one. He's the lead coach, okay? But there's other people that help us stay focused on the vision, and they call us to it. They see the big picture. I was thinking, what about the prophets? I think the prophets are like your coordinators, right? So in football, if you don't know, the offensive and defensive coordinators, they actually watch the game from the boxes up above the field. Why? So they can see down on the field. They actually have a different angle and a vantage point. I feel like this is sort of our prophets. They see things that maybe the coach isn't seeing, and they say, hey, coach, they got the little radio do. Hey, coach, I think we need to change our defense here. Hey, coach, you know, we need to try a different scheme here on offense. The evangelists are like the recruiters, right? The recruiters saying, hey, we need some fresh blood in this program. We can't just have the same players all the time. we got to build the team, right? They're pulling in new people. They're always thinking about fresh life. Let's bring in new people. The shepherds, I thought, might be like the trainers, the athletic trainers that are on the field. They're just concerned about everybody being healthy, right? And if somebody gets hurt, they're like, oh, let me like help you get whole. These are our shepherds, our pastors, right? They're like, take really good care of people. Coaches, I think, are kind of shepherds too. They like want the team to be unified. They're all, you know, let's all be on the same team. And then you've got the, the teachers, I think, are kind of your like position coaches. So in football, you've got a coach that teaches the offensive linemen, teaches the receivers. They're in, they're in the game on the field helping coach other people in these different roles. And, and, but the goal is what? What's the goal? The, to win, right? The goal is to build a team that's winning and walking in victory. The goal is not to just, we, we don't like just sit back and celebrate the coaches. You know what I'm saying? We like celebrate the team and the, the goal is win, the victory, the team. And so <clears throat> we are all called to find our position on the field and to play the game, guys. Yeah. Every single one of us. Yeah. This is not about the celebrity Christian leaders or the guy that wrote the next book or whatever or anybody that gets up on this stage. It's about the saints, every one of us on the field playing the game in the position that God has made you to play. Not everyone's a quarterback. Not everyone's big enough to be a defensive lineman. We all have a different role in the body, and that's the beauty of it is God has made us differently. So he's given some of these kind of coaches and equippers for the body, but the goal is to equip the saints for what? 
the work of the ministry, to equip the saints for the work of service. So whose job is it to do the work in the kingdom? The saints. The coaches? The pastors? Is it the pastor's job to do the work in the kingdom? No, it's actually the saints. So if, again, if you're in Christ and you're a saint, it's time to get to work. There's actually work to be done. Do you know that? And I think that we, like, we kind of have a problem with work in the church. And I think it's because the gospel is such a grace. It's a free gift, man. You can't earn it. You, we're, we're so afraid of works, right, works to, like, earn your salvation, that we've actually shied away of work. We think that it's, like, wrong to work hard. No, it's all a free gift, man. We're just chilling, and people are going to come into the kingdom. We don't have to work hard. That's actually not the Bible. The Bible is we have been equipped. We're, we're all called and equipped to get to work because there's much work to be done in the kingdom. There's much ministry. There's much service that our world needs. And it doesn't just need 15 or 20 people on staff or 200 people leading life groups. It needs the 1,200 of our whole church to say, what's my position on the team? And let's go and let's serve. Let's do it, you know? But there is work to be done. And I think that the reason we have a problem with work is it's just a, a misunderstanding. See, the grace of God, it is opposed to earning. You cannot earn your salvation. You cannot earn the favor and love of God. The grace of God is opposed to earning. The grace of God is not opposed to effort. And once you're in the kingdom, there's actually a lot of work to be done. And just so you know, I'm not making this up. The Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians 15, I love this passage because it frees me to be a person saturated in the grace of God, working my tail off to see his kingdom come. By the grace of God, I am what I am. He's saying, God has gifted me uniquely. His grace has made me who I am. And his grace was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God within me. I've said this before, it's like, a work, it's like a work sandwich with grace bread, you know? He's like, by the grace of God, I am who God made me to be. I went out there and worked my tail off to see his kingdom come. Well, but it was his grace, you know, sustaining me the whole time. And that's got to be our heart, guys. There is work to be done. And we see here at the end of this passage, Ephesians 4, 16, I want to look at this again. What happens if we will actually all do our part together? It says, from whom the whole body joined and held together by what every joint supplies. Say it again. Every joint, every joint, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Here's the beautiful thing, guys. If we will all effectively do our share guess what? This thing grows itself. I mean, who wants to see the church grow in the earth? Who wants to see the body of Christ strengthened, built up, influence of the church and society? Who wants to see more people drawn into the love of God and to what God's doing? Who wants to see more people connected in with the Father? We all do. And it's, this is how it happens. Not by us preaching better sermons or by hiring more staff. It happens by every joint, you, 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 every one of us just doing our share. And this thing grows itself. How beautiful is that? Isn't that awesome? 
So you have to know what part you are to work properly within the body, right? If you don't know what part you are, it's going to be hard for you to know how to effectively do your share. So this upcoming week in all of our life groups, if you're college, young adult, family, anybody that's connected, all of our life groups are doing a spiritual gifts test in life group this upcoming week. We actually have an amazing resource as a church. It's like 138 questions. It doesn't take but 20 minutes, and you, you answer these things, and it spits out some different giftings. It's all based on the biblical gifts that we see in this passage and in other passages. And it's going to help us be equipped to know this is what God's given me. This is who he's made me. Because we're going to see as we, as we jump into these next couple passages here, it's different, guys. Praise God that we're not all the same. Praise God that we're not all gifted in the same ways. Okay, that's, that's, that's not the goal. So, Flip to 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 12. So pretty cool here. We're going to look at a few different passages of spiritual gifts. We just looked at that one in Ephesians 4. Who was giving the gifts in Ephesians 4? Who was leading forth the host of captives and giving gifts to men? Jesus, right? We now flip to 1 Corinthians 12, and somebody else is giving gifts here in this passage. Who is it? The Holy Spirit. So it's pretty cool if you think about the members of the Trinity. There's another passage in Romans 12. Maybe it's the Father, but it's just cool to see that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the whole Trinity is involved in giving gifts to the body. It's really, really powerful. So 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 12 here. It says this. There are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities. I'm not a broken record. This is the Bible, all right? We've got some different translations up here, but the varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. You ready to hear a broken record? For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, and to another faith by the same spirit, and to another, gifts of healing by the one spirit, and to another, the working of miracles, and to another, prophecy, and to another, I'm not making this up, this is how it reads my Bible, to another, the ability to distinguish spirits, to another, various kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues, and all these things are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills to another, to another, gift of healing, gift of prophecy, gift of tongues, gift of encouragement, gift of these different things. Boom. It's not a we become experts of all of it. Then what would we need the body for? God is distributing these things within the body. And there are a variety of activities. There are a variety of things. This is helpful for us. Because, guys, you got friends that do some different stuff than you, okay? you got some friends that are like, whoa, maybe he's like the, the prophecy guy, and I don't really understand that, you know? Or, man, man I heard this guy, like, you know, praying in tongues. I, I, I'm really not understanding that. I don't know what's going on here. But, okay, I'm, I'm cool with some of these other ones, like knowledge and wisdom. I kind of understand that, right? Everybody's different. You know that there's a variety of activities. And sometimes, like, you're, you're going to have a different experience than somebody else. Do you guys know that that's okay? Do you know that that's okay? 
God, you're a child. You're like, like I, I have four kids. I don't parent all of my kids the same way. I don't give my kids all the same gifts, right? They're all different. And the way that I engage with them, I'm their father. Nothing changes that. You see what I'm saying? So there's such a variety. And the last three words here back in verse 11, what are the last three words? He distributes to each one individually. Man, do you know that God is the one that gets to decide who he gives to what child? Isn't that freeing? Wow. But see, here, here's the problem. We get into this like sibling rivalry thing, guys, and it's got to stop. Because instead of looking at our brothers and sisters and going, wow, I'm so thankful that my father gave him that gift. I'm so thankful that our father gave her that gift. We actually look at each other and we start to compare. Man, why didn't I get that thing? Man, why? He seems like he really hears God clearly. Why not me? That guy's prayed for people and seen them healed. That's never happened to me before. Wow, that guy can speak or teach or whatever or lead worship, right? And we do this comparison thing, and it's, it is, frankly, it's offensive to God, the giver of good gifts, right? Because, you know, you're his workmanship. He created you, and he, he actually chose what he put in you when he created you. And I submit to you that he actually loves what he put in you. He loves how he created you. And every time you look at one of your brothers and sisters and go, man, why, why didn't God give me that? It breaks his heart. So we've got to stop looking at each other's gifts and comparing. Do you all know what the, the opposite of comparison is? Thankfulness. Who said that? Come on. Thankfulness. Thankfulness breaks the back of comparison every day, every moment. So instead of looking at our brothers and sisters and doing the whole comparison gig, what if we looked at them and said, wow, God, thank you that you gave him that. And then, this is the kicker, you looked at yourself and said, wow, God, thank you how you've made me. Thank you that you've given me a gift to to do this or to do that, to contribute to the body. That's so cool. God, you gave me that one. This is awesome. I'm serious. I laid in bed one night this week. God was convicting me on this because, guys, I struggle. This is my repentance. I struggle with comparison. Last week in a world mandate, Francis Chan gets up here. He's not even in the room, and I'm like, I'm never preaching again. I, you know, like just, you know, seriously. I'm like comparing myself to Francis Chan, you know, and then Joe Ewan comes and does this prophetic equipping last week, and I'm like, man, God, how come I can't prophesy like Joe? And I'm like, what is wrong with me, man? I'm like so just in this lie of comparison, and God's like, Chris, I dare you to lay here in your bed and to thank me for how I made you. And I'm serious. I laid there going to sleep one night, and I said, okay, guys, I don't know if I've ever done this in my life. I'm just being honest. God, thank you that you gave me the ability to communicate your word. Thank you that you gave me the ability to read your word and understand it. Thank you, God, that you gave me this or that, you know? Man, you know that when Jesus fed the 5,000, what, what did he start with? A few pieces of bread and a couple fish, right? This, there's a kingdom principle that happens here in this passage. He had this little amount. Maybe you feel like, I just have been given this little tiny gift, man. Where's my corner lot on the kingdom? I, I just was given a couple pieces of bread. But if you will take this gift, and in Jesus, what does he do? He blesses God, and he says, thank you, God, for these couple pieces of bread and pieces of fish. 
And what happened? It multiplied. Guys, do you know that thankfulness is the key to increase? If we would reject this comparison game, the sibling rivalry, and we would say, God, you gave me these two pieces of bread. Thank you, God. Oh, man, you would see that multiply in your life. And what he's put in you, oh, my goodness, it would grow, it would increase, and it would be unstoppable. And you would probably not ever play this silly comparison thing again. Thankfulness is the key to increase. Amen? All right. So we see here a lot of different gifts. We're not going to unpack all of them. We're not going to pack any of them. This is the role you life group leaders you guys now get to, as you do the spiritual gifts this, this week in your life groups, you get to help the people in your group. You're like a coach of this team, and you're helping pe- players saying, hey, where's our gifting? Where's our fit? Okay? But there's so many good things that the Lord has, has put in his body, and it's for the common good. The third passage we're going to look at is in Romans 12. You flip there. Romans 12, 3 through 8. It's going to help bring it home for us. Romans 12, verse 3. I'm going to read it off the screen so I don't confuse you guys. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, everyone, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one, God has dealt My translation literally says, God has assigned to each one a measure of faith. Verse 4, for for as we have many members in one body, all the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let it use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So we've got another list of gifts here. And when you take the spiritual gifts test and life group this week, it's going to spit out for you kind of what are your sort of three main strengths that just kind of come easy to you. This is just kind of what, what God's put in you. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to spit out some of these results, and it's going to be really, really empowering. But I think that it's, it's key for us to understand that, yes, each of us have things that, we're, that God has gifted to us and that come more easily to us, but that doesn't mean that we just kind of like neglect all the rest of it either. You know what I'm saying? Oh, well, uh, you know, I, my gift is giving. So I get to sit back and write checks, and I never tell anybody about Jesus. That's not really how it works, you know? Or my gift is encouragement. So I'm just going to encourage everybody all the time, but I'm, I'm not going to, you know, pick one. I don't know. I'm not going to ever try to teach the Bible because that's scary, you know? So we don't just dig our heels into our strengths and just say, well, that's not for me because God didn't gift me. So uh, a lot of, I have some buddies, I've retired from CrossFit, but I got like, I turned 35 and I was like, I can't do this anymore, man, I'm hurting. But I've got a lot of friends that do the CrossFit deal. And the reason I'm using this example is because CrossFit athletes, literally the, the competitions are like the fittest man on earth, right? They're not just like trying to be good at 
like skiing, like one discipline. They're trying to actually be like the physical specimen, right? So like they train in every single way. And if you've spent time around a gym, you've made some observations. Not everybody has the same natural strengths. So for some reason, this guy over here can just squat through the roof. This guy over here, his shoulders, is just kind of, he's just throwing up all this shoulder weight. You know, maybe for this guy, it's pull-ups. You know, different things come easily to other people. But do you know, the world-class CrossFit athletes, literally the fittest men on the, on the earth, do you know what they do? What do they train the most? They actually train their weaknesses. They don't neglect their strengths, but they intentionally direct more effort towards their weaknesses. And I really feel like God has called us to be people like that who know our strengths and progress and grow in our strengths, but we're not afraid to press into our weaknesses and step out of the box there either. You know what I mean? Because then we become this fuller picture of who God has, has called us and allowed us to be. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to embarrass my wife a little bit. Arlena, she's sitting up here on the front row, okay? She, she just had a birthday on Friday. Happy birthday, babe. 20, 29 years old, creeping out of her 20s here. She's got four kids, and my wife is, is amazing, and she is gifted and has strengths in a lot of areas. Some of those areas for her are things like counseling. She's just this deep kind of one-on-one. She'll just get into the weeds with you, and she will love you like nobody else, and she'll speak truth, and she'll send you a scripture or a prophetic word, and it just like she's just this deep well of, like, counseling. She's a great shepherd and pastor. Her, one of her not-so-strengths has, she is an introvert by nature, which means like when she goes and stands in line at the grocery store, her happy place is not talking to anybody, you know, just <laughs> being by myself, you know. But she has felt a calling on her life, just her heart to see people know about Jesus. And so she has been stepping out of her comfort zone in evangelism over the last couple of years. And I'm like watching her step into her weakness. It's not a natural like strength in her life. And she told me a couple weeks ago, this blew my mind because I live with this person. She was like, I, she says, I, I, I have a goal. I have a goal that everywhere I go in this city with our kids, I'm going to tell at least one person about Jesus. Like, oh my goodness, my, my little introverted wife, you know, she's like, She's stepping out, guys, and she shares the gospel everywhere she goes. Why? Because there was just some evangelist baptism or something that happened, and she just all of a sudden became so confident about talking to Jesus, talking about Jesus with people? No. She just took one baby step. She just stepped into her, she stepped out of her comfort zone until it became comfortable. You see what I'm saying? So I feel like the word for us is, be your strengths. We want to know our strengths, and we want to be who God's made us to be. But don't be afraid to practice your weaknesses too. You know what I'm saying, church? All right. So um, part of this journey as we equip the saints and talk about this over the next four weeks is that we're going to offer some equipping classes on Sunday evening. So starting today at 5 p.m., we're just going to supplement some extra equipping classes these are going to be from 5 to 6.30 every Sunday evening starting today here in the sanctuary. And it's going to be basics. The one tonight is on spending time with God and learning to hear God's voice. And so if you want more and you're like, wow, that's, 
that's like not a strength of mine. I want to grow. Come back at five and come to this equipping course. We'll be rolling them out over the weeks, but we just kind of want to create space where we can grow in these different ways. Amen? All right, I'm going to have the band come up and prayer leaders go ahead. You guys stand as we close. I feel like the Lord is um, inviting us into a, a pretty clear response this morning. Well, I want to get these guys up in, in place and invite you into it. You know what's so cool, though, about, about the church and about the family and about the, what I love so much about this, this passage we just read in, in Romans is he said, let us use them. You guys know that a tool is really not that great if you don't use it, right? A gifting is really not that helpful if you don't use it. And so I wonder how many of us are sitting on gifts that we're not using. I wonder how many of us are sitting on gifts that we're not using either because we don't know that we have them or because we're too focused on somebody else's gift or because we've never taken a gifts test and just had somebody say, hey, I think you have this, bro. We, I love that last passage. It says, let us use them. Let us use them. And as I was praying this morning and just kind of finishing prep for this message, I just felt the Father saying that my children need to know, every single one of them, sons, daughters, every single one need to know how much I value them, each of them. I felt like he was saying, I created you guys. I created, and, he, and I, he's, I felt like he said, I did a good job. You are his workmanship, he says. You are his workmanship, every single one, created in Christ Jesus for good works. I felt like he said, I'm so proud of how I have made each and every one of you. And when you devalue yourself, you actually insult the work of my hands. So stop focusing on what I've done and how I've gifted other people and start using what I've put inside of you. I felt like you said there's more joy to be found in being yourself than in trying to be like somebody else. He said, you won't be judged on what I didn't give you. You'll be judged on how faithful you are with what I did. And so as we respond this morning, we want to be a people that maybe, maybe for you this morning, maybe it is, man, I've been sucked into that comparison thing. And the thing for me this morning is, is I actually need to repent. You're like me. I need to repent for looking at other people's gifts. And I need to understand this morning and receive in a fresh way. God made me and he did a good job. And I have value. If you're here and you're a saint, you're a child of God, maybe you need to be reminded this morning. The goal of Christianity is not this thing we've created in America where we have all these celebrity, super Christian stars. It's that all the saints actually have an important part in the body. And he needs to remind you this morning, you have value to him. Stop looking at what he's done in others and look at what he's given you. So maybe that's the place for you this morning to say, we would love to pray for you. But I think the bigger call to all of us is, are you using the gift that you're sitting on? Are you using what he's put in you? And so we would love, if, if, if you feel like that's you, we would love to just say, hey, let's call this thing forth, you know? Maybe you don't know what he's put in you and you just want one of these guys to encourage you and pray for you. Maybe they'll wait on the Lord and prophesy, say, hey, I see this in you. But we 
are the body of Christ. And just like my little toe keeping me out of that football game, we actually cannot afford to have you and 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 you. We can't afford to have you not doing your part. The part that God has assigned to you. Amen? Jesus, would you come and would you encourage us? What a joy to be a part of your family, of your body. And I just pray right now, if you feel like you need to come and repent for a comparison, I just want to invite you. There's no shame. I just repented in front of everybody. Lord, would you get our eyes off of other people and would we find thankfulness in who you've made us? And Lord, would you release in every single person in this, in this room, would you release the gifting that you have put in each of us so that the body of Christ might build itself up further in love. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, we're going to sing a song of surrender. I'm encouraging you to offer your whole life to God. Whatever part He's given you to do, I'm encouraging you to offer it up to Him as we sing this song together.